Let's give it up one more time for our moms. You guys are awesome, and I think Kenneth has a career in comedy ahead of him. That was excellent. Excellent. Uh, We're in a series called Bless This Home. This is actually week three. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at these eight statements of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, commonly known as the Beatitudes. And Beatitude is simply just a Latin word for blessedness. So we're trying to find out how to be blessed. And and we're zooming in from these broad statements that Jesus made uh, to, to apply them specifically to the home, specifically to the family. So two weeks ago, we kicked it off and we talked about how uh, we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Last week, we saw how we're blessed when we are merciful. And, and how can we begin to build a culture of hungering and thirsting for righteousness? How can we build a culture in our home of mercy? And so uh, today we're going to be looking at our, our third beatitude uh, in Matthew chapter 5. But before we get into it, I have a question for you. Show of hands, crowd participation, part of our service. How many of you would say you've ever been robbed? Anybody ever been robbed? Okay, a few of us, quite a few of us. All right, I've been robbed a few times when I was a kid. Uh, some people broke into our house and, and stole quite a few things. Um, I, in high school, I had a baseball hat get stolen out of my gym locker, and it was a kid I rode the bus with. And he wore the hat in front of me, and he was stronger than me, and I could do nothing about it. And it was so, so terrorizing to see my hat on this other kid's head. Uh, a few years ago, I had a computer robbed out of my car in my driveway. I had a tax return robbed out of my mailbox. Somebody took my tax return and cashed it. Um, I've been robbed in a few different ways, and probably most of us can identify with that feeling of helplessness, that feeling of anger that comes with being robbed. But, but now I'm a husband, and as a man, all you men know, man, it's our job to protect the house, right? So start hearing some weird noises at night. I got the golf club next to the bed. I got the baseball bat, like I'm ready to throw down on somebody. So Somebody comes in and messes with our house. And, and moms, you know, if anybody were ever to mess with one of your kids, you'll take on a bear, right? Like you'll, you'll shut down a lion to protect your child. It's amazing what a mom can do to protect her kids. And in our culture, we love affirming people for, for protecting their family physically. It's so celebrated for us to protect our kids. I think sometimes maybe we even go too far these days. Sometimes it seems like we send a kid out to a mailbox and they got to have a helmet on and knee pads just to check the mail. And some parents, I'm like, okay, maybe you can trust them a little bit more uh, not to get hurt physically. Give them a chance to learn and to grow. But what's interesting is the opposite a lot of times is true when it comes to protecting our kids' morality. When it comes to protecting our kids' purity. See, when you want to protect your kid's mind, when you want to protect their soul, a lot of times the culture is going to say you're overprotective. A lot of times the culture is going to snap back against you and say you need to let them go. You need to let them grow. And here was what I believe is it's more important for us to protect our kids spiritually even than it is to protect them physically. Man, bruises will heal. Broken bones will grow back together. But the emotional and spiritual scars that are so often inflicted on children at a young age, many times those are going to carry through with them for the rest of their lives. And so we're going to see in Scripture what I believe is a mandate for us to protect the purity, the morality of our children. I want to empower you as a parent today to to raise the standard in your home of the protection that goes on for your kids when it comes to their spirituality, their morality. Um, just as I've been robbed physically, and, and many of you have been robbed physically, I think we have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal 
and kill and destroy. And he wants to come in and he wants to harm your family. I'm not saying he doesn't want to harm you physically, but he especially wants to harm you spiritually, emotionally, uh, in your morality, in your purity. And so we want to protect against that. Matthew 5.8 is our beatitude we're going to be studying today. And in Matthew 5.8, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are the pure at heart, for they will what? For they will see God, that there's a blessing that comes with purity of us actually being able to see God. There's a, there's a difference that occurs in our relationship with him. There's a connection with him that increases when we get rid of the junk, when we get rid of the sin, when we get rid of the impurity, when that stuff falls away. And now there's nothing between us and him. There, there's no junk on our spiritual glasses. I wore glasses growing up. And uh, I mean, I was, a, I was always playing sports. I was bo- baseball basketball, football, like out in the neighborhood constantly, and my glasses sometimes would be so disgusting, like they would just be caked in mud, and I wouldn't even realize it, and my mom would be like, okay, give me those, and she would wash my glasses, and then it's like, oh, I have eyes, I can see, like the, the difference that would make when those glasses became pure, and I could see, and I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about, that our spiritual glasses, we, we get so much impurity, we get so much junk caked on them that we can't even see the miracles, the blessings of God all around us. And so what I want to say today is is very quickly as we start out, Jesus' message is is more broad than what we're going to be talking about today. When Jesus talks about purity at heart, he's talking about our thoughts, our attitudes, our heart towards others. He's talking about many other things that we're not going to get into today. But I want to hone in on one aspect of what he is talking about. And I want to look at, at our purity, at our morality inside of our homes when it comes to our families. That word heart, the pure at heart, the the word heart in Greek is cardia. It's the same word that we get our word for cardiac, cardiac arrest, uh, associated with the heart. And it's obviously a metaphor. When Jesus says blessed are the pure at heart, he's not saying blessed are those who have low cholesterol for they will see God. Uh, He's not referring to our, our ticker He's talking about our our central emotional nervous system, the center of our soul, this thing that we use to connect with the people all around us, and that when our heart is pure, it opens a way for us to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In our culture, it's very common to, to make this statement or this assumption about someone that, man, they've got a good heart. Uh, she's got a good heart. I've got a good heart. He's got a good heart. You know, you, somebody's taken out your 16-year-old girl, and oh, you know, he doesn't really know Jesus, but he's got a good heart. And he lives in a van down by the river, and he eats wheat, you know, eats marijuana for dinner, but he's got a good heart. Like, we, we assume everybody's got a good heart because we see something in them, but you know the truth of Scripture is the complete opposite? The Bible tells us that all of our hearts are jacked up. That none of us outside of relationship with Jesus Christ have a good heart. In fact, go ahead and write this down in your notes. Without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Without Jesus, there's no such thing. You can't do this on your own. If, if all you hear today is for me to give you a to-do list, uh, for you to do self-help, for you to go back to your family, for you to go back to your house and make things right on your own, you missed it. Because you can't do this on your own. You've got to have Jesus. But once you have that relationship with Jesus, once the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he's empowered us to live out the commands of Scripture. 
He's empowered us to live out the expectations of God. And so you can take that, that relationship with him and begin to put these things into practice. But without Christ, there's no such thing as a pure heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Heart isn't just a little messed up. Our heart's not just a little impure. Our heart is the most deceitful thing in all the world. Nobody lies to you like your own heart does. Who can understand it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. So we can't understand our heart. We can't understand the motives of our heart all the time. We usually assume that our motives are good when a lot of times they're very selfish. But God says, I'm looking down and I'm examining your heart and your mind. I see what's really there. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians wrote uh, about this. And it's kind of eye-opening when you see this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the world, those of us without Jesus. It says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. A lot of strong phrases in here. There's a darkening of their understanding. There's a hardening of their heart. I don't know if you've ever, uh, like, I like to go to movies. I love movies. I'm a movie guy. My wife's a TV person. I'm a movie person. So we kind of have a, a difference of opinion there. But I love to go to movies. And when you go to the movie theater, and you probably experienced this, you walk into the back of the movie, and it is pitch black. And you can't see the hand in front of your face, Right? But what happens? You stand there for 30 seconds, you stand there for a minute, and all of a sudden, the lights go on. Except nobody ever adjusted the lights. What happens? You adjusted your eyes to the darkness around you. What if God's people are guilty of adjusting our eyes to the darkness around us? What if our world, our life, our family, our home is so much darker than we even realize because we've lowered ourselves to the standard of the people that we see, even the Christians around us, and we've adjusted to the darkness. We've hardened our hearts to the conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to pull us to God's best for our lives, and we've settled for so much less than God's best. I'm afraid There's probably many of us in this room that that would be an accurate analysis of our lives. Verse 19 goes on to say this, having lost all all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. I think there's few verses in scripture that more accurately describe the America that we live in today than this. That we've lost all sensitivity and we've given ourselves over to sensuality, indulging every kind of impurity in our families, in our homes. We want to guard those that God has entrusted us with. We want to protect our kids. We want to protect our marriages. We want to guard our lives. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to open our eyes to the darkness around us. None of us think about this. None of us would ever pull our, our baby aside. We're going to have a baby in like four and a half months, and we're so excited. It's my, mom, my wife's first Mother's Day today. She's a mom-to-be, and we're going to have a baby. And when we have that baby, when you have your baby, you never pull your baby aside and, and say, hey, here, baby, take this bottle full of poison. I think you're really going to enjoy this, right? Man, you're analyzing every ingredient. You're reading everything on the back of that package, making sure it's the best thing you can put 
in your baby's body. You would never send your kids off to the pool to go swim in a pool full of acid. And dive right in. Have a good time. None of us would do that. They're ridiculous statements. Some of you are looking like, why would you even say that? I'm going to hurt you for suggesting that about my kid. But so many of us do things just like that, spiritually, risking our lives or the lives of our our children and their purity. For example, back to that that 15-year-old girl, how many people would send off their 15-year-old daughter on a date with a guy that they've never met? Christian families do it all the time to go out in a vehicle, to go out alone somewhere in the dark and just trust, well, you know what? She's a good kid. She's going to know what to do. She's going to handle herself well. Man, she might be a great kid, but that doesn't mean there's not something going to happen in that car, in that event, that's going to change the course of her life. So often we take such gigantic risks. How many would take their 13-year-old son and put in that son's hand a mobile device, a smartphone that he can take with him anywhere, that he can download every vile, awful, disgusting thing off the internet that somebody can Snapchat him or have any other, and there's a million apps out there that are so dangerous now. And now your kid is bringing these images into his mind that are never going to leave. And yet we don't even think about that. Why? Because it's normal. It's what everybody does. We don't want our kid to be weird. We don't want our kid to feel left out. We don't want our kid to think that we're bad parents. And so we empower them to hurt themselves. They don't know any better. They don't know what they're doing. And we give them the opportunity to do some awful things to their lives. Could it be that one of the reasons that our homes are not as blessed spiritually and emotionally as we would like them to be, as blessed as I believe God would like our families to be, is that our hearts have been hardened and we've been darkened in our understanding to the world around us. And without even knowing it, we've lost all sensibility And now we're indulging in every kind of impurity. So what's going to be different? How can we push beyond this? How can our home be blessed with purity at heart? How can your home be blessed in such a way that your kids can see God? What an incredible promise. I believe it's possible, even in America today. In fact, here's the thing that I've stood on for years as a youth pastor, as I've seen the culture get worse and worse, and kids face bigger and bigger challenges. The promise of God is that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And just as we see our culture falling apart, just as we see more and more stuff getting into our families, God's promises, his grace is increasing. His protection is increasing. His mercy is increasing. And we can tap into that if we choose to. And I believe that we must. So first of all, if if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we've developed this statement that's guiding our approach to all of these beatitudes. We developed this statement that is going to be the difference maker in our lives. If you'll take this and put it in your heart and begin to put it into practice. And that statement is this. We are not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. We can no longer settle for just, hey, we're a Christian family. Latest statistics say 87% of Americans would describe their family as a Christian family. And yet 87% of American families are not blessed with purity. 87% of American families are not seeing God. 87% of American families do not have God's protection, God's wisdom evident in their home. So many of our families are falling apart because we're not just, we're not Christ-centered families, we're just Christian families, but we're going to be different. We're going to walk out. You know what? We're not just going to call ourselves a Christian family. We're going to let our whole life, our whole essence, our whole family, all of our decisions revolve around Jesus Christ. 
And when we build that Christ-centered family, that's when we can tap in to the promises of the blessings in these Beatitudes. If we want to have the blessings of God, we must live according to his word. And that's what the psalmist writes about in Psalm 119. David says this. He asks this question, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? What an awesome question for you to ask if you have kids. How can your kids stay on the path of purity? Here's what our culture would say. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Man, if you want to raise good kids, if you want to be a great mom, a great dad, follow your heart. And I would tell you, that's the biggest mistake you can make. Your heart is deceitful. My heart is deceitful. I don't follow my heart. I follow the word of God. Psalm 119 says, how can a young person keep his life? Follow the path of purity by living according to your word. That's the difference. It's not just listening to our own heart. It's not just listening to our own desires, our own emotions, the things that feel right. It's living according to the word of God. I've seen so many families, so many marriages that have been destroyed, so many good Christian families that have walked into divorce because somebody followed their heart right into adultery. Because somebody followed their heart right into the arms of their secretary. Because somebody followed their heart right into the arms of their coworker. Because, man, he looks so good or he treats me so well or she smells so nice. They follow their hearts to destruction. The heart will lead you astray. But God's word will always, always, always lead you to God's best. If we're going to see God, if we're going to have purity in our families, we must live according to his word. So I've edited Psalm 119, verse 9 for us, uh, to have a version applied specifically to our family. And when we apply it to the family, it would say this, how can our family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, verse 10 would go on to say, we will seek you with all of our hearts. Do not let us stray from your commands. That's the cry of the Christ-centered family. That's the cry of the family that's going to see God, that that we are going to stay on this path of purity by living according to your word, that we are going to seek you with all of our hearts, that our heart is not going to be impure. Impure just simply means there's a mixture. Impure means that there's something else in there. And so we're not going to have impurity in our heart. Our heart is going to be wholly devoted to you. It's all yours. And this is how our family is going to stay on that path of purity. Now, for those of you here today, you're not married, you're a teenager, maybe you're a young adult, you're in that season of life and you're kind of kicked back. You're like, yeah, PT, tell them. Get those parents. Tell them what they need to do. This one's not for me. I can kind of take this message off. I can kick back and relax. Let me say this. A lot of times young people feel like, I'm going to deal with this when I get married. I'm going to deal with this when I get into a family. I'm going to worry about this then. But for right now, I can do whatever I want. I can drink what I want. I can smoke what I want. I can hang out with who I want. I can watch whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. And, man, I'm going to get a pure family. Once I get married, then I'll start worrying about that. Then I'll start putting this stuff into practice. Let me say this to you. Young person, hear me very clearly. You will never build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. It's not going to happen. You cannot build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You will reap what you sow. When you start sowing impurity now, when you start walking that out in your life now, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to pop up later on in life. Even begin now, before you're married, before you have kids, before you take that step to say, you know what? I'm going to live a life of purity. I'm going to be the person who seeks God with all my heart. I'm going to be the one who lives a Christ-centered life according to the word of God. You don't live a life of purity on a foundation of sin. 
So I want to talk to you today about creating a culture of purity in your home. How can we do that? What are some practical steps that we could take? And I could give you all kinds of thoughts about this today. I'm just going to give you three. I know you got to get out to lunch with mom. I know you got to beat the rush. We're not going to try to hold you up real, real long. Also, by the way, before you go at the end of service, we do have a drawing. We're giving away two uh, manicures and pedicures for moms, and we're giving away one full spa day treatment uh, for a grand prize winner. So make sure you stick around for that if you were able to get signed in for that. I want to give you some thoughts on creating a culture of purity in your home. First, we must understand that you don't start a family, and then 10 years down the road, you look back, and you're like, man, look at how pure we are. How do we do that? Man, this was an accident, but man, we got such a pure kid. Our son is so pure. Our daughter is so pure. High five. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens intentionally. You've got to choose. We are going to be a pure family. We are going to be a blessed home. We are going to walk in purity, and it's got to be an intentional decision that you make. So here's some intentional ways that you can cultivate that culture in your home. Number one, first and foremost, you got to get your own heart right. Moms, dads, if you want your kids to grow up in a life of purity, if you want your kids to see God because they're so blessed by the purity in their life, you're going to have to get your own heart right. I don't care if you're 18 years old or 88 years old. I believe that you could set the spiritual temperature in the relationships around you. I believe that one person who gets a hold of the word of God and sells out to it and chases God with their whole heart and commits to purity, that one person in a home can change the entire temperature in that home. That one person can make all the difference when they fully commit to this. Proverbs 4.23, Solomon is writing these Proverbs down for his son. He's teaching his son how to be a man of God. And he says, this is my best advice. This is the greatest thing I could tell you, son. He said, here, above all else, guard your what? Above all else, guard your heart. The greatest advice I could give you, above all else. If you see only one proverb of these 30 chapters, 31 chapters that I'm putting together, catch this, above all Greater than anything else. Guard your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. Because everything you do is going to flow from your heart. And if your heart goes bad, if your heart gets destroyed, if your heart gets decayed and impure, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect everything that you do and everywhere that you go. Above all else. Guard your heart. And a lot of times I think in church we're guilty of teaching this to young people but never taking it to mom and dad. But you know what? It's not just teenagers who have impure lives. It's not just young people who struggle and wrestle with impurity. It's all of us. All of us have to intend and choose to deal with our own heart and to get our own heart right. How do we behave? What do we allow into our families? What are we going to be influenced by? What are we going to be entertained by? As we ask ourselves these questions, as we approach these things, We've got to intend to deal with our own heart first. Before I worry about what my kids are watching, before I worry about what my spouse is watching, what am I watching? Before I worry about who are my kids spending their time with, who are their relationships with, who are they letting into their life, I need to ask the question, who am I surrounding myself with? Who are the people I'm putting around myself? What are the influences for me? I can never help my kids to grow up right in the faith if I don't have it for myself. A lot of times, uh, as we approach those kinds of questions, culture would say something different. They wouldn't just say, follow your heart, but they'd say, let your conscience be your guide. 
A lot of times our conscience can be a good thing. Very grateful for our conscience. But you know the Bible says that our conscience can actually be seared. It can be burned to such a point. Like if you're seared with a hot iron, if you take a hot iron and press it against your, the palm of your hand, you're going to be burned and then it's going to be calloused. You're not going to be able to feel anything for a while. I actually burned myself on the oven on one of my fingers not too long ago. And, uh, and it blistered up real bad and it was real nasty and it hurt. And then all of a sudden it got hard. And it was hard for quite a while before that blister finally fell off. And that's what can happen to our conscience is our conscience can be seared if we allow things in that are so awful that the Holy Spirit says no, but we allow them in anyway. Man, it can burn. And then it turns hard. And now it's of no use to us. Now you can't feel anything. So don't trust your conscience. Let me give you an example from my own life. And this is being very transparent and and something I wish I didn't have to share with you today, but I want to be very real with you. I'm not, I've never as an adult made good choices about my entertainment. I just haven't. My my standards have always been lower than they should be. And I've always known it deep down inside. I've always known I probably shouldn't be watching this. I probably shouldn't be laughing at that. I probably shouldn't allow this into my life and into my relationships. But I've always justified it. You know, man, I love God. I'm serving God. It's not affecting me. I'm not talking like that. I'm not doing those things. It's okay. I'm not going to go out and sleep around because I watched this show where somebody did. So it's not affecting me. I've always tried to justify it. And so a couple of years, uh, Melody and I, we went to Pennsylvania for the holidays, to, back to her family and her friends. And on New Year's Eve, we, we hung out with some of her friends, and they introduced us to a show. Some of you may know what this is, called Workaholics. Uh, and, and if you know about Workaholics, uh, you can pretend that you don't, uh, because it's really, really awful, crude, disgusting, vile show. And I loved it, just, just being real. I thought it was the funniest show ever, and so I got hooked on Workaholics. I came back and caught up on every episode I missed on the internet, started to watch every week when it came out, and got all about this show, and if you've never seen it, praise God for that. Uh, If you have, you probably know what I'm talking about. They push the envelope and do just something a little sicker, a little more disgusting, a little more awful the next week, and finally got to a place where Melody sat down one week, and after it was over, she said, I can't watch this anymore. I can't watch it anymore. And she didn't say, we're not watching this. She didn't draw a line in the sand and tell me I was forbidden from watching it. But she said, I'm not watching this anymore. I'm done. I can't put that in front of myself. And so then, now I'm the spiritual leader of the home. I'm the husband. I'm the one who's supposed to protect. I'm the one who's supposed to guard what comes in. And now I just feel worthless. Wow. How did I miss it? How did I not catch this? And so... uh, We have not watched Workaholics. I have not watched Workaholics since that day. And since that day, we've actually evaluated a couple of our other shows. And and we've eliminated two or three things that that were regular parts of our weekly entertainment. So you know what? We don't need to watch that. We don't need to be a part of that. And I'm so grateful for a wife who's so much more pure than I am, who seeks purity so much more naturally than I do, who, who will stand up and say, no, I can't do this. I can't see this. But... We've got to pursue purity, and it starts with us. It starts with me, and, and I'm on that journey. Man, I'm on that journey to evaluate my heart, to ask, what, what are these things that I'm putting in front of myself that I don't need to be entertained by? And you know that there's usually a couple of things that we'll use to justify it, right? One, we'll say, yeah, I know it's bad, I know it's crude, I know it's terrible, but it's funny, right? Man, it's going to make you laugh. It's hilarious. If I stood up here today and I told you a racist joke and it was hilarious and it made you laugh, would that make the joke okay? 
No, all of us know that, right? Like, that does, doesn't make it okay. You're like, man, you're in the house of God. It would, how could you defile the house of God? It would be inappropriate for you to tell that joke from up there, right? Well, guess what? This isn't the house of God. This is. So it doesn't matter if I'm standing behind a pulpit or if I'm in my bedroom with my wife. If it's inappropriate, it's inappropriate. If it dishonors God, it dishonors God because he lives here. And I'm bringing that stuff into here. And so we try to justify things so often and say, well, man, it's funny. You're just going to make you laugh. Yeah, it's got a little bit of stuff that's wrong with it, but it's funny. Or we'll say this other thing, uh, everybody's doing it, right? And they, you think that's just something that teenagers say, but adults justify things the same way. Man, everybody I know is watching this stuff. Everybody I know is a part of this. Everybody I know is doing this, and, and everybody's doing it. And this is where it's Mother's Day, so I get to honor my mom with one of my greatest mom quotes. What would mom say in that situation? Well, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too, Troy? <laughs> Thanks, mom. But it's right. We are jumping off of a spiritual purity bridge. We're following people into destruction, into the darkness all around us. And we've got to check our hearts. It's got to start with us. Funny never makes wrong right. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter how funny it is, it doesn't make wrong right. So if you want a culture of purity in your home, it starts with your heart. You've got to get your heart right. Do that by this. Ask God. Get alone with God. And be real honest with him. God. Am I letting impurity into my life? Am I reading things that I should not read? Am I watching things that I should not watch? Am I listening to things that I should not listen to? Am I surrounding myself with people that are taking me down more than I'm bringing them up? Be real honest with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you and reveal to you what are those things that you need to adjust and you need to change. Help me to get... My heart right first, God. Second thing, if you want a culture of purity in your home, so absolutely crucial. You need to parent to the heart. Parent to the heart. And when I say parent to the heart, most parents do this. that They parent to the actions. They, they, man, here's the behavior that I want. Here's the things that I want you to do. So they parent to the actions. And the kid may get the actions right, but the heart stays wrong. And this is why kids turn 18 years old and move out of the house and go crazy. This is why kids go off to college and they party it up and they get into all kinds of junk that they never would have done before. Good kids, Christian kids, kids who know better. It's because they just got the behavior right, but they didn't get the heart right. You got to parent to the heart. You got to get beyond the action. So, for example, one kid uh, did something to his sister. Your son did something to the sister. I don't know. He pulled her hair. We'll say that. So he pulls her hair, and she comes, and she, man, mommy, my brother pulled my hair, and it hurt, and now I lost my bow or whatever. And so you, you decide your son needs to apologize to his sister, right? You're going to make this right. And so he huffs and puffs and stomps off. Sorry that I made you mad. Sorry that it hurt. Sorry that you're so weak and you get upset by such little things, right? He apologized there, Mom, I apologized. And some parents will let that go. But did the heart get affected at all? No. The heart was still rebellious. The heart was still angry. The heart was still upset. And I know that's kind of an extreme example, but we've got to get beyond the actions and get to the heart. Another example, you know, you tell your, your teenager that they can't go to this party. I don't trust those people. I don't know those people. I'm not going to let you go over to this party. And you never let me do anything fun. And they storm off and they slam the door, right? A lot of parents, okay, she's not going to the party. Cool. I don't need to worry about it. 
you got to go past that. you got to push past the actions and get to the heart. Man, it's so much better for them to go to the wrong party with the right attitude than to not go to the party with the wrong one. And I'm not saying to send them to the party. I'm saying push past it. Spend the time. Invest the time to work towards the heart. It's not acceptable for you to storm off and slam the door on your mom. I don't care how upset you are. We're not going to do that in this house. And dad, that's where first and foremost, I think it's dad's place to, to discipline. doesn't mean that mom doesn't discipline because a lot of times mom's there and dad's not. And stuff, some stuff can't wait. But man, dad, you see your kid dishonor mom? You better jump all up on that. Like immediately, you better deal with that. Parent to the heart. Here's what 1 Samuel 16, 7 says. It says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, at the behavior, at the things that we're doing for others to see. But God looks at the heart. Parents, you got to go for their heart. Don't settle simply for behavior. Jesus focuses on the heart. He says that in the Old Testament... In Matthew, the same sermon, on the Sermon on the Mount, he goes on to say this. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. Well, I tell you, don't even call somebody a fool. Don't even say that. Don't burn with anger at them in your heart. He said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say unto you, don't even look lustfully at a woman. For if you do, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. See, Jesus wasn't just about behavior. It wasn't behavior modification. It wasn't just morality. It was a heart issue, a purity of heart that he was going for. And none of us can live up to that on our own. We've got to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But once we have that empowerment, we've got to sell out to the heart. And as parents, if you want your kids to do right, you've got to go after their heart. Jesus hammered again and again and again on the Pharisees. Man, he went after the Pharisees. He, he, he constantly criticized the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the people who did everything right on the outside. But their heart was far from him. He said, you're like a dish. You're like a bowl that on the outside it is clean and it is pristine, but on the inside it's filthy and nasty. Where do you eat from from the bowl? From the inside. That's the part that matters. If the outside of the bowl is dirty, it might be a little gross, but it's not going to get you sick. But if the inside of the bowl is diseased and bacteria and virus, that's what's going to get you sick. And so we got to go beyond just the behavior and push toward the heart. Right actions ultimately will come from a right heart. You can temporarily get right actions from a wrong heart. But over a long haul, over a lifetime, if you want to produce kids who love God, who serve God, their right actions will simply come from a right heart. We got to get our heart right first. We got to parent from the heart number two. If I haven't stepped on your toes yet, if I haven't convicted you yet, if I haven't upset you yet, get ready because I probably will on this one. Number three, if you want to build a culture of purity in your home, you got to do this. Pursue perfect purity of the heart. Pursue perfect purity of the heart. Now, why do I say pursue? Because none of us can do this. We're all going to fall short. We're all going to miss it. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to build a church of legalism. I'm not trying to put you under condemnation. But if we are God's people, that means we want to be like God. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, which, by the way, of all the words that could describe the Holy Spirit, the word that describes him is holy. We need some holiness in our life. We need to pursue holiness, pursue purity with all that we have. Are you going to miss the mark? Yes. Are you going to mess up sometime? Yes. I'm not trying to tell you that you've lost your salvation or you're going to hell or anything like that. We serve a God of grace. 
But we also serve a God of standards. And his standard is be like me. Come after me. I'm sending my spirit to live inside of you, to empower you, to come live like me. Ephesians 5.3 says, among you there must be not even what? Among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So pop quiz. Not even a hint of sexual immorality is a hint of sexual immorality if you sleep around on your wife. That's a hint, right? Easy one. Okay, how about this? Is it a hint of sexual immorality if you have sex with 75% of the people that you date before you get married? Is that a hint of sexual immorality? Yes, those are easy ones. How about this? Is it a hint of sexual immorality if you lust after an image that you see on a computer screen? Yes, that's a hint of sexual immorality. Is it a hint of sexual immorality if you think things that break God's heart are hilarious? I've been guilty of that many times, many times. That's a hint. And God says, among you, among my people, there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. This is improper for God's holy People, we got to pursue perfect purity in the heart. We got to raise the standard in our family. We got to raise the standard in our lives. We got to raise the standard in our relationships. We got to pursue perfect purity. The question is how much impurity, how much poison are you willing to let in? How much poison are you willing to let into your eyes, into your ears? How much are you going to let come out of your mouth? How much are you going to let affect? Your family. I love the story of a boy who wanted to go to a PG-13 movie. And he comes to mom and he says, hey, mom, can I go to this movie with my friends? There's only a little bit of bad stuff in it. And you know what mom said? She said, sure, you can go. But before you go, I want to make you brownies. So the boy's thinking, man, this is a good day. I get the movies and I get brownies. She didn't even argue with me. So mom goes out to make the brownies and the boy goes back to his room. She goes out in the backyard. She takes a spoon. She gets a little bit of dog poop. And she puts it in the brownies. And she makes the brownies, and the brownies are smelling good. Just a little bit of stuff in there, right? And so the son comes in. He's like, Mom, are the brownies ready? She's like, yeah, they're ready. He's like, I got one for you. He said, but before you eat it, I want to just tell you one little thing. There's just a little bit of bad stuff in there. You still want to eat it, right? <laughs> now, I have a confession to make for you. I was going to actually do this today and make some dog poop brownies because I got a dog. It's been real easy. Uh, but it's Mother's Day, and I figured Mother's Day, that would be a little bit crossing the line for the mom, so I didn't go there, but I thought that would be an illustration that would probably stick in our brains. we got to pursue perfect purity. None of us are eating that junk with just a little bit of crap in it, right? But how many of us are putting stuff into our minds and justifying just a little bit of crap, just a little bit of junk, just a little bit of impurity? God's calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to a greater place. He's calling us to something better. And he says, if you pursue what I have for you, if you live according to my word, you're going to be blessed. And I think there's so many Christian families who are missing out on the blessings of God because they're not pursuing perfect purity in their lives. Blessed are the pure at heart. 
for they will see God. As we get ready to close, I want to address one last thing for you because I know for some of us this may be a very hard message to hear. For some of you, you may be very uncomfortable with this. You may kind of be bucking back against it. Man, uh, this, I don't know what he, he thinks he is. Some of you, you've seen bad movies with me. And so I know, I'm just putting it out there. I know I'm a hypocrite for preaching this, okay? I understand that. I am messed up. I am fallen. I am jacked. I am not putting any pretense forward that I've got this together. I will say this. I'm getting better. I will say this. I'm pursuing some purity in some ways and some aspects over the last year that I haven't before. And so I'm not trying to proclaim, man, I've got this all figured out. But I am saying this. I serve a God who's worth it. I serve a God who I so desperately want to be like who I so desperately want to please, who I so desperately want to see his blessings in my life and in the life of my family. So what if you're here and this comes across, man, this is impossible, this is so hard, you're getting defensive, you're just feeling like, man, I don't know who you think you are to preach this. Let me just share this with you, one last verse, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. God says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. If the preaching of God's standards, if hearing Ephesians say that even a hint of sexual immorality is improper for God's holy people, if that bothers you, if you buck back against that, then I dare say you may be at a place where you have a heart of stone. Where your eyes have been darkened by the darkness around you, where your heart has been hardened to the things that God has for you. And if you're at that place, I want you to know God will change out your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. If God's word offends you, if it upsets you to hear that God's standards for his people are higher than the standards that we're living in, then today may be a great day for you to make a heart transplant with God. For you to give him that heart of stone and to receive the heart of flesh that's going to beat after him. That's going to be in tune with his desires. And I'm not saying this means you're not a Christian. Maybe for some of us it just means that our, our, our heart that truly is saved has just been hardened by our actions, by our decisions, by the things that we've allowed to become our second nature. But if that's us, I would challenge you. Open up to the Holy Spirit today. Say, God, if my heart is hard in this area, if my heart is hard about the things that I I find entertainment in, about the things that I find conversation in, if my heart is hard about the people that I associate with and spend my time with, my heart is hard, and you've been trying to tell me that you've got something better, and I haven't been listening. Give me a heart of flesh today. Give me a soft heart for your things today. And I believe if you'll ask him that, if you'll start there with your heart first, I believe that there's no limit to the difference he can make in your family, in your home, in your, your culture, when one person says, you know what, God, I'm going to pursue you with all that I am. I'm pursuing perfect purity in my life. Would you join me on that journey?